question of who are you really is the theme of all of the Bible readings today. Who are you really? We're all familiar with that question because we all have had to deal with becoming our parents. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter, who is a psychologist, has informed me now that she is becoming me. <laughs> and it's true, you can see it in her gestures, her voice, everything. And I realized 30 years ago that I was becoming my old man. And I definitely am. People call on the phone and they can't tell which one of us they're talking to. So they both sound exactly the same. So I would like to look at the readings in a in pursuit of this question, but in the reverse order. So starting with the gospel, because the gospel is from John, and John, as we all know, when you learn in Bible study, is the highest gospel, the highest Christology. John really insists on teaching everybody who Jesus really is. And that's why in this reading, Jesus says several times, I and the Father are one, Father, you are in me, and we are together, we are one, I want my followers to also be in that togetherness. So Jesus is very clearly explaining exactly who he is, or really John the Gospel writer is explaining who Jesus really is, because it's essential over the course of the next thousands of years for us to know that, and to be able to understand that, because we must act on it. Because I, I think I might have mentioned to you that I used to belong to several social clubs, Kiwanis and Rotary and Lions, American Legion, Foreign Legion. We have to. white could be. They're just kind of like, they're pressed, 
This is their family business. This is how they make a living. This is how they put food on the table. And so I kind of think that that's loyalty, which is part of love. It's kind of love. And maybe I owe him that. So nobody's going to notice if my shirts are really clean. Especially if I wear all these fancy duds. You can't tell. But do, do I maybe owe him that I should keep going? Because he considers us friends. I kind of consider us So it's a kind of a moral question. And I just don't know. Because when I start, every time I start thinking about that, I think, okay, Christianity must decline everything you do. Or at least inform everything you do. So let nothing escape. No, that's that's my point. Is if that's who you really are, if you really are a Christian, then okay, don't think about laundry. Think about whatever it is in your life that defines your principles that you live by as a Christian. So in that's what we're talking about in the Bible today. In the Gospel, Jesus makes a great declaration and repeats himself in several different ways about how he and the Father are one. And if we keep moving through the Bible readings, did you, did you notice even in the um, psalm, that the psalm is so tremendous. I never get over the psalms because they are 3,000-something years old. They were used in worship by the ancient Hebrews. And so basically they're our equivalent of hymns, uh, well, the ancient Hebrews equivalent of hymns, and listen to the special effects going on here. It's wonderful. The Lord is king, that the earth rejoice. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies on every side. The heavens declare his glory. Confounded be all who worship carved images. Bow down before him, all you gods. This is such powerful stuff. Now, we're used to hearing it because we've been hearing it for 3,000 years. Well, not us personally, but <laughs> the Jews have been using these for 3,000 years, and we've been using them for 2,000. And it's Steven Spielberg and all those guys all rolled into one. Remember the first time we started to see fabulous movies with glorious special effects? And this is exactly that from thousands of years ago. The, the earth, his lightning flight up the world, the earth sees it and is afraid. Oh, you know, Steven Spielberg could not have invented anything better than that. The earth sees it and is afraid. So this is a very good prayer, scripture, and it doesn't tell us who Jesus is, but it's keeping us on the road of figuring out what religion means in your life. And so when we got to the epistle, which was Revelation, which is not an epistle, but uh, it's very, very interesting because, as we know, the government had started harassing the early church, the infant baby church, and John, I, John, the author of Revelation, says, speaking about who Jesus is, I am the Alpha 
first and the last, the beginning and the end. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. So again, the lesson is teaching us who Jesus is, who he is in our life, and who he is objectively, whether we're aware of it or not, which we should be, which is the whole point of Revelation. The church was being persecuted, and so we needed to spread the message that that would come to an end. And the spirit and the bride say, come. So in this passage from Revelation, the author is quoting from Old Testament writings, particularly the Song of Solomon, who, where we hear the bride speaking. And in our Christian tradition, that has come to be understood as the church is the bride of Christ. So we're still making progress on this whole idea of who Jesus is. And so I wanted to save Acts of the Apostles for last because, as I told you at the beginning of the service, it's so dramatic. It's Paul and Silas run into this fortune teller who, you know, we're, we might be thinking, oh, Rishaw, fortune tellers. But this one knows the truth about who the apostles are, and it just shows to Gilead that if you're a fortune teller, don't annoy Paul. <laughs> There's going to be trouble in River City. So the people and the government can see that this Christian thing is going to cause problems for the status quo. And that's exactly my point, is that when you know who Jesus is and how that affects your life, it's going to cause problems for the status quo. So they throw Paul and Silas in jail. And there's jailhouse rock. <laughs> That was a groaner, okay. <laughs> but I sounded good in my mind. <laughs> There's a jailhouse rock in the middle of the night. There's an earthquake. And the cell doors are all thrown open. And the, the jailer panics, thinks that this is all the end of his career and his life and so on. And we've all had unpleasant moments at work. But when the prisoners call out, I don't think this happens too often at PDCJ <laughs> or the, the units that we have here in town. Uh, a lot of people do wonderful Kairos ministry. But if there's an earthquake, you'll, you'll know right away what's going on. And the, they didn't leave. They didn't leave. Apparently, which is why I said it's a jailhouse rock, because right before this, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So I guess the other inmates enjoyed it so much that they just thought they'd stick around. So the, the jailer then provides the most interest, even more interesting than the earthquake and the cell being open, is the jailer who knows then, it's been revealed to him very dramatically who these people are, who the apostles are, and who Jesus really is. And so it says, he and his household were baptized. Now, I want to point
point that out to you very specifically for a reason, which is we, of course, have all been to baptism where little children, babies, have been baptized, and we've all probably encountered conversations asking about that. And where did that come from? The Bible is the answer to that question. This is it right here. It's a, this is not the only time. It says several times in Acts and other places in the New Testament that this person and their household were all baptized. So where do we get this idea of baptizing little children and whole families? It's in the Bible because it started the tradition of being able to raise your children within the context of what's good for them. Bishop Harrison, bless her heart, she used to really bump me on the head every chance she got. But she was her job, of course. But she told me one time, you feed little children, including babies, food that is good for them, whether they understand it or not, because you understand it. And that's a similar point in this question of where we get this idea of baptizing babies. Well, now we know. Where it's been going on for 2,000 years. It says they were all baptized and they, he took them home and washed them, washed their wounds. And he and his entire family were baptized without delay. And then it says he sat them down at the family table and fed them a nice supper. And so it's, it's amazing just how we see things like in Revelation from a cosmic perspective, but here we see it from the perspective of a couple of actual individual solid real people. And who Jesus is shapes their lives. So my conclusion for you is that maybe something in your life should remind you of who Jesus is in himself and for you. Maybe you have some hidden talent that we don't all know about. That could be your reminder to pray and a reminder to act according to your beliefs. The, uh, we all have secrets that we don't want anyone to know about. Ursula K. Wynn, who was a great science fiction writer, who was a paleo, by the way, wrote this interesting story, The Ones Who Walk Away from O'Malley's, which is about those who walk away from the things that they're hiding. So we can be those. We can be those who walk away 